Well, I am very excited to be here with you guys today. Uh, for those of you who I haven't had the privilege of meeting, my name is Matthew, and I'm the worship and ministries pastor here at Rise Church, and Pastor Jared is on vacation. Uh, sometimes pastors need to get away too, right? No, many people think we only work on Sundays, but you know. <laughs> um, but I just want to apologize because if you're here for the first time or you've been coming for a while and you came hoping to hear a message from Pastor Jared, uh, joke's on you because for the next 6 to 12 hours, you're going to be stuck with me. Okay? <laughs> I'll try to keep it around 3 so you guys can go get lunch, but I can't make any promises. <laughs> last year, uh, la- late last year, I had the privilege of actually going to Colorado um, and we flew out of LAX. And I don't travel very much, like at all. Um, any of you travel very often? Fly on planes? Some of you? Okay, cool. It doesn't make me nervous, but I haven't been to a whole lot of airports. And we flew out of LAX, and there are just like tons of people there, right? Those of you that have been to an airport, just going everywhere, and it's crazy. But it was awesome and perfect for me because I like to watch people. But I'm a people watcher. I like to watch other people. And, but I cannot tell you the number of people at the airport, and even on our whole trip, that I walked past or, or walked by and I saw, like, they had their phones out, right? And all they were doing the entire time is just, like, taking pictures of themselves. Selfies, right? Some of you, that's all you do. I, I follow you on social media, and I, sometimes I wonder if you, if you, if you work at all because all you do is post pictures of yourself. But it was crazy. On the way back, we were at the airport in Colorado, and me and Ed are are very OCD about getting everywhere on time, so we were at the terminal like two hours ahead of time. We're standing there, Ed, Josh, and I, and we're playing cards. Uh, Go fish, I think it was, right, Josh? Uh But we were standing there, and there was this young lady next to us, but literally for two hours, two hours, I'm not kidding, she was sitting there on her phone, and I could see over her shoulder because her back was to us. And she was just taking pictures of herself with all these cute little filters. I think that's what they're called. Correct me afterwards. But it was crazy. Like two hours. She was just taking all these pictures of herself. And many of you, again, do that same thing. And it, but it, it got me to start asking myself the question. And I want to ask you this question. What did we do before selfies were invented? Right? Like, do we, do we remember those days? I might be showing my age here. I'm not that old, but I didn't have a cell phone in high school. Like, smartphones weren't a thing. Right? Like, what did you and I do before selfies were invented? Like, I can remember being a little kid and our family taking a trip to, like, the mountains or the beach. And you know what we did when we got to the beach? We sat down and we stared at the ocean. Right? Like, that's what we did. Nowadays, if you go to the beach, the first thing that most of us think about is, you know what I should do? I need to get a picture of myself here. I'm going to take a selfie, and I'm going to get a little bit of the ocean in the background, but mostly it's going to be me, right? Like, that seems to be our first thought, and it has become totally normal, right? Like, it has become totally normal in our current culture, in our current society, that the very first thought we have, no matter where we are, no matter where we go, is I'm going to get a picture of me, In 2 Timothy, it says this, it says, But know this, hard times will come in the last days, for people will become lovers of selfies. Okay? People will become lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning. He goes on and on. It's amazing to me that the writer says in this passage, In the last days, 
the world is going to get really bad. And here, specifically, he's actually talking to people in the church. It's easy for us sometimes to sit back in the church and to look out the world and be like, oh yeah, he's talking to all of them. He's not talking to us in the church, right? But here, he's actually talking to people in the church. And what he's saying is he's saying that in the last days, things are going to get really bad because people are going to become obsessed with themselves, only thinking about themselves, only looking out for themselves. Welcome to the 21st century, right? Like, you see, when I was a kid, there was this word that I would hear people use. I don't really hear it that often, but it was this word called narcissism. Have you ever heard of that word before? Like, right? There we go. We have the youngest one here. Awesome. He's probably smarter than, I know he's smarter than all of us, right? He used to be one of my youth students. But there was this word narcissism, right? Like, so it used to be that if you were the type of person who liked to take a lot of pictures of yourselves, people would call you narcissistic. Today we call it Facebook <laughs> and Instagram, right? Like, that's how it used to be. It used to be that if you were that kind of person, you were called a narcissistic person. Today it's MySpace. I don't know if that's still a thing, but yeah, maybe I'm old. Okay, whatever. You, it's okay. But we don't think anything of it, right? Like, well, of course. Who else am I going to take pictures of? Me. Who else am I going to post about? Me. Guys, do we understand that the Bible is telling us here in this passage that in the last days, this way of thinking and this mindset is going to creep into the church? Right? Like to where 90% of people that walk into a church building this weekend, I would be willing to bet, are primarily thinking about themselves. Like thinking, well, where do I want to sit? Somebody better not sit in my chair that I always sit in every week. Sometimes I pick a seat that I know some of you like to sit in just to throw you off. So I'm not always up here. You're welcome. Right? Just to mix it up a little bit. Right, but we always are constantly coming into church thinking, well, I hope the pastor preaches something to me. Last week's message didn't apply to me. It applied to my husband, but he wasn't here, but I told him all about it when I got home, right? Like, I, I hope he preaches something to me. I, I hope the worship team plays the songs that I like, and I hope that one guy doesn't sing that one song that I don't like, but that girl who sings it better actually sings it because then I'll enjoy it more, right? Like, through this entire series, we've been asking this question. Pastor Jared has been asking this question and getting us to ask this question. What would Jesus undo in the church? And to me, as we close this series, it's, it's very simple. I, I strongly believe that Jesus would undo this selfish, selfie mode, consumerism mindset that many of us have, myself included, Right? Like, I wish I could just stand up here and tell you all how terrible you are, but I promise you, I'm a lot worse than you. Get to know me. Right? Like, but maybe some of you came into this room, maybe some of you in selfie mode. Maybe that's the whole reason you came to church, because you just got to a point where you're thinking, man, I've got some real problems in life. Maybe I should go to the church, right? Like, that, that'll be good. Like, so you come to church and you start getting other people. Hey, guys, come over here. Come look at me. Come look at me. I need help. Look at all my problems. I need help. I need help. Come look at me. Look at me. And I know this because I've been in church my entire life. I've served in ministry off and on for over 15 years. I've been a pastor for the last three. But I have to tell you that some of the most miserable people that I know are the people that cannot take themselves off of selfie mode. There are people in this church, in this church that come to church week after week, and no matter what I do, 
no matter what Pastor Jared does, no matter what any other leader in this church does, it's never enough. Right? Like, I'm not enough. I can't please them. I'm not enough. I'll never be enough. No matter what I say, no matter what anyone else says, it always comes back to, well, let's look at how this makes me feel. Let's look at how I feel. Let me tell you how I feel. And I just want to tell you today, as we close this series, that the best thing that I could ever do for you is to tell you that on your phone, if you take your phone out, you open up your camera, there's this little button at the bottom right-hand corner that takes your phone off of selfie mode, and you can't even see yourself anymore. Right? Like some of you are permanently on selfie mode. I know that because when you open up your camera, it's already looking at yourself and you try to change it real fast, right? But if you hit that button, like it takes it off of selfie mode because the secret to joy in Christ is to get off of selfie mode and to actually look at somebody greater than yourself. Right? Like I know this may seem sound, sound so counterintuitive to some of us, but the best thing that you can do for yourself is something that was shared with me and continues has to be shared with me, is to get over yourself, right? Like, and start staring at somebody more beautiful than you. That's what David says in Psalm 27. He says, God, there's just one thing that I want. I want to just dwell in your house, O Lord, and I just want to stare at your beauty. This is something that has been so lost in our current generation and our church culture. We feel like we need to be the center of every single picture. And I know that because when many of us look at a picture, even if we didn't take it but we're in it, what's the first thing that we do? We look at ourselves. It's like, no, you better not post that. I don't look good enough in that picture. Don't do it. Right? I know where you live. (laughs) But we think we have to be the center of every picture, and then we sit back and we wonder why we're unfulfilled. Because the secret to joy in life is pushing that little button and taking yourself off of selfie mode, and you stare at God in all his glory, and you realize that in heaven right now, there's an amazing being, right? Like many of us as Christians, we're familiar with the Lord's Prayer, right? Like there's a part in the Lord's Prayer that says what? It says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do we really want that? Do we want the earth to be like it is in heaven? Because we pray it, Right? So, so if we really want that as Christians, let me give you a little snapshot into what's going on in heaven right now. In Revelations 5, 11 through 14, it says this, Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped. So what's going on in heaven right now? A bunch of people standing around taking selfies trying to get a little bit of God in the background of their selfie before they post it, right? Like, no, everyone in heaven is just staring at him. Everyone is just wanting to be able to come up to the throne. All they want to do is come up to Jesus, the Lamb, and say, worthy are you, Jesus, worthy are you. Jesus, you are worthy of all praise. Jesus, you are worthy of all glory, 
right? Like, I'm not standing up here today saying that I understand or know every single thing that's going on in heaven right now. But I can guarantee you this from what I read in Scripture, nobody is standing around taking pictures of themselves, right? Like, they have taken themselves off of selfie mode, and they are permanently forever staring and bowing down at the feet of Jesus, worshiping him. Right? Like, why would I or anyone else in this room want a mirror in heaven? Right? Like, I don't want a mirror on earth most days. Like, why would I want a mirror in heaven? (laughs) Right? Like, I'm not going to want to stare at myself. It's going to be the last thing that I want to look at. I'm going to want to stare at God and his glory, and that's what we're trying to teach you at this church. Right? Like, that you will have so much more joy brought to your life when you can take yourself off of selfie mode and stare at somebody more beautiful. The Bible tells us that God dwells in unapproachable light and that there are millions upon millions upon millions of angels bowing down at the feet of Jesus and worshiping him day and night. And yet many of us would rather just look at ourselves in the mirror and then we wonder why we're miserable. What we're trying to teach you at this church is to take yourself, take your eyes off of yourself and to stare at God and then to look at others. Are you aware that for every single child of God, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that there's actually a manifestation of the Holy Spirit that, that dwells within us, right? Like there is a way that God has uniquely supernaturally gifted each and every one of his children to where there's a certain way that the Holy Spirit will actually work through us to bless other people, right? Like, I I truly believe that God has gifted me in such a way, and, and many other pastors at this church, that when I begin teaching, right, like that it's no longer me speaking, but it's actually God, the Holy Spirit, residing in me and speaking through me to bless other people, Right? The Bible tells us that every single one of his children has at least one gift like that. Maybe yours isn't teaching, but you have a gift to where the Holy Spirit will actually work through you to bless other people. But the reason that I've come to realize is that many, many, many people don't ever figure out what their gift is is because they aren't thinking about the common good. Right? Like many of the people that come into church this weekend all over the world aren't saying, God, I just love these people. God, I want to bless somebody today. God, would you please just make me aware of my gifts so that I can bless other people, right? Like, I want to bless whoever I sit next to. I want to bless whoever I encounter today. Whether it's at church or in the world, wherever I go, I want to bless everyone. Why? Because you're not in selfie mode, right? Like, you're not in that picture. You're looking at other people in the face, and you're saying, God, I want to bless him. God, would you please just make me aware of my gift? Lord, I just want to bless her. God, whoever I come in contact with, I just want to, God, would you give me a word? Would you give me something, Lord, so that I can actually take myself off of selfie mode and look at other people in the face and maybe supernaturally somehow meet a need that maybe they have, right? Like before I walked up here, before I walked up here to preach, I was just staring at all of you. I I was just standing at the back of the room as we were worshiping and I was just looking around this room and I'm just seeing all your faces and I'm just thinking, God, there are so many people in this room. There are so many people in this room who, who I don't even really know a lot of you. But I'm thinking, God, there may be some in this room, and, and maybe if they're honest, they would say they don't really know you. 
And maybe, maybe they came to church this weekend only thinking about themselves. Thinking, yeah, you know what? Maybe I'll go to church this weekend because maybe the church will be able to help me. Maybe the church will fix my problems. Maybe the church will help me get rich. Maybe the church will make me healthy. Maybe the church will fix my family. And before I came up here, I was just praying, God, would you just, would you just give me a word? God, would you just help me show them? Because the truth is, I can't get into your heart, right? Like, I might be able to get into your head a little bit if we sit down and talk, but I can't see your heart, right? And I'm just praying, God, please, would you just, when I'm up there, would you just speak through me? Would you just, would you just work supernaturally? Because selfish people oftentimes can't see how self-centered they really are. I know I can't. So, God, would you just help me to open their eyes? to how much they truly think about themselves. God, would you help me? God, would you use other people to help me realize how much I think about myself and how that's the very thing that is destroying us? I love what it says in Philippians chapter 2. It says this, it says, If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete. By thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, consider others as more important than yourself. Wouldn't it be crazy if on your way to church this morning, you just like parked like blocks away from the church and thought, you know what? I'll walk from here. Let somebody else have the good spot. Right? Like, wouldn't that be crazy? How many of us, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'm actually really curious, how many of us come into church every weekend thinking, man, I can't wait to get to church this weekend because I'm going to bless somebody else. I'm thinking about other people. I'm considering other people as more important than me. And at the same time, I, I wonder how many of us come in only thinking about ourselves. Right? And like I said earlier, this can all seem so counterintuitive because even from a counseling standpoint, right? Like all modern day counseling wants to get you to do is to focus on who? On you, right? Like even from a counseling standpoint, let's look deeper at you. Let's go back to your childhood. Let's go back to when you were in your mother's womb. Let's go back to, to how your brothers, uncles, cousins, dogs, neighbors, kid did that thing to you that one day and it screwed you up and now your whole life is a mess because of them. Let's talk about you. Let's look deeper at you, right? Like our culture has created this never-ending cycle and you and I get caught up in it, right? Like, and we've been talking about it even gets into the church. Like it even gets into the church to the point to where I've actually heard people twist the scriptures, Right, God's word that is intended to get us to take ourselves off of selfie mode, to look at him and to look at other people, people read that and they actually twist God's word. Right? Like, love your neighbor as yourself. What is Jesus saying here? Love other people. And yet many of us will look at that and read that scripture and go, well, you know, it says love your neighbor as yourself. And, well, I don't really love myself right now, so I'm just going to focus on that part first. Right? Because until I love other people, I can't really, I, until I love myself, I can't really love other people, right? That's not the point of the verse. Right? Like, you already love yourself. 
That's why you're always thinking about yourself, right? That's why you're always looking at all the problems you have and all the things you don't have and all the things, the ways that the church needs to help you and how the pastor needs to help you, right? Like, and yet all day long I hear people say, and even myself, like, yeah, I just don't love myself enough. And I'm like, yeah, we do, right? That's why every time we get together, all you want to do is talk about you and all your problems, and your issues, and what these people and those people aren't doing for you. Why? Because whether you and I recognize it, whether you and I are willing to even admit it this morning, we are all naturally hardwired to be naturally in love with ourselves and obsessed with ourselves. It's the same thing that Paul is saying here to the church in Philippi. Consider others as more important than yourself. That was the example that Jesus Christ came and lived out for all of us. Jesus Christ did not come to this earth to be served. He came to serve and lay down his life as a ransom for many. And yet many of us pile into churches week after week after week to be served. Jesus came to this earth to rescue me. He came to this earth to rescue me from myself. And I got to tell you, Matthew Young, I love talking about myself in the third person. Brings me great joy. But Matthew Young was leading Matthew into misery. Some of you know my story. I've been arrested. I was a drug addict. Overdose. Almost killed myself. Like, Matthew Young was always handing himself a mirror and saying, let's look at Matthew. Let's look at all the ways that life hasn't been fair to you. Let's look at all the ways that life has let you down and other people have let you down and, and how you're sad and you just need something, right? Like, Matthew deserves to be happy, right? Like, you just need that fix to make you be happy, right? You've had a hard life, Matt, and none of it's your fault, it's everyone else's fault, right? Like, you deserve to be happy. I was constantly handing myself a mirror. And God had a solution for that. God had a suggestion. And he said, how about, how about we kill Matthew? You see, that's what it means to be a follower of Christ. I am in agreement with God and saying, you know what, yeah, I don't really like Matthew. He did and continues to lead me into destruction. And that's what it says in Galatians chapter 2. Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ, and I, Paul is writing here, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Do you understand that that's the most clearest picture of baptism? Right? Like, it's this public display where I stand up before the world and I say, you know what? I don't really want Matthew in charge anymore. God, would you just, I want him to be crucified with Christ. God, would you just come in? Like, Matthew is always thinking about himself. Matthew's a manipulator. Matthew's a liar. Matthew is always handing himself a mirror and looking in the mirror and, and thinking that life hasn't, we, we just need to kill him. 
God, so that your spirit can now enter into me and start living through me so that I'm not always staring at myself. I'm not always focused on Matt, but it's actually Christ who lives in me and through me, and Christ would not come into a church service like this only thinking about himself. Christ would come into a church service and stand back and say, this is my Father's temple. And he would stare at God, and then he would stare at all of us and stare at all all of our needs. And this is exactly what the Spirit of God can do in each and every one of our lives. He can save you from your selfishness. And I know that because he did that for me. Do we understand that we are never, we are never going to be happy as long as we are staring at ourselves? And again, I really hope you don't come in this weekend and feel like I'm standing up here judging you. Because this is me. This is still me most days. Ask my wife. Right? Like, she's a good reference. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine what the church would be like if every single person that came into this church and every church across the world came in having the same mindset? Like Paul talks about in Philippians, if everyone came into church and had the same exact mindset and thought, man, I'm not going to do anything out of selfish ambition. Like I'm looking at other people and I'm considering other people as more important than me. Can you imagine what the church would be like? There's a passage. Excuse me, sorry. I didn't have breakfast this morning. There's a passage in Hebrews. Does this look weird? (laughs) So does this. When people, they come into church and this is the only time they eat. Like, this is weird, right? Like, I should not be drinking out of a baby bottle, right? And it's the same thing that Paul writes in Hebrews. Well, the writer of Hebrews, I, I think it's Paul. You can come fight me about that later. But uh, in Paul, he writes, in chapter 5, he says, although by this time, although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk. Some of us Gatorade, right? Not solid food. Now, everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is still an infant. Paul is saying, some of us, We should have been teachers by now, right? Like, but we've been coming to church forever, and and a pastor is standing at the front of the room with a bottle saying, okay, come up here, come eat, come feed, let me feed you, right? Like, and for some of us, this is the only time we eat. A, A weekend service like this is the only time we eat all week long. You don't even know how to pick up this book and feed yourself. Like, and that's what we're trying to teach you at this church, There are so many people 
who claim to be followers of Christ, who claim, call themselves Christians, and they don't even read this book. They go, no, I'd rather just come to church on the weekend and have somebody else feed me. I'd rather have the pastor stand up there with a the bottle and feed me. And I got to tell you, that's weird. Like, that looks really weird, right? For, for, for you to go all week long and for somebody to stand up here and say, okay, come up here, get the little baba, I'm going to feed you. And then we complain. And then we leave and complain, well, the pastor's message was too long. He had too many jokes. He used too much scripture. He didn't have any fill-ins on his outline, so I don't really feel like I could remember it and take it home and apply it to my life. Your message was too convicting me, too convicting to me. And Paul's writing here, he says, are you kidding me? Is this really going on? Is this really going on in the church? You should have been teachers and leading others by now. But instead, you're complaining that those who are teaching, those who are leading, didn't give you the little baba for long enough? You didn't feed me enough, pastor. You, you gave me pizza. I wanted steak. I've heard these things in church my entire life. People coming into church week after week. I didn't get enough from church today. They didn't do enough for me at church today. The pastor's sermon didn't speak to me enough. They didn't feed me enough. Are you kidding me? And I've just gotten to a point in my walk with Christ where I'm like, no, you want to know why you and I are miserable most of the time? It's us. We are the problem. We stink. Right? Like, we come to church and we feed off of everyone else that we can, and then it's still not enough. And have we ever stopped to consider the reason why you and I are miserable most of the time is us? The reason why relationships fail in our lives, the reason why all of these things come crashing down around us is us? Like, we're the problem. God says in Jeremiah chapter 2, he says, don't you understand that I am a spring of living water? But you people, you're going around and you're trying to dig your own wells and you're digging your own cisterns, and you're trying to fill them up with water, and they're broken cisterns. They don't even hold water. It's just leaking out into the ground, but I, God, am a spring of living water. That's why David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I do not stink. I shall not suck the life out of everyone else around me. That's why I have this cup, and it's just spilling out over onto everyone else around me. Because I am so fulfilled in my relationship with God. Listen, other people are never going to give us the life we expect. Some of you stink as parents. Right? Like you're not fulfilled in God, so you expect so much of your kids and you're trying to live through them. Some of you stink as kids. Some of you are up here. No, you're okay. Right, But you don't have your own relationship with God, so you expect and you demand so much from your parents. Right, And then, so what happens when you and I, we're empty people, we start trying to leech from other people, we start putting expectations on what we think we deserve from other people, and it's what causes the divorces, it's what causes the broken families, it's what causes the broken relationships, and then we pour into the church, and start trying to take and take and take from other people because they don't really know us and we can manipulate them, right? And then we end up with churches all over the world that stink and are shutting their doors 
I can't tell you the number of churches that shut their doors in the U.S. every single year instead of having churches that are overflowing with life. You see, my fear today is that many of you in the room have bought into a lie. And it's the same exact lie that I buy into, and it's the same lie that the enemy has been using from day one. What did he say to Eve? He said, that fruit looks good, doesn't it? Looks good. Right? Like, come on, think about yourself. Just, just take one bite. Don't worry about God and what God wants. He just doesn't want you to eat of the tree because he knows that if you do, you will become like him and now you're in charge. Right? And you will get to decide what, what to do and what's best for you. Eve, you do you. Right? You do you. Do what makes you feel good. That's all Satan was doing. Satan wasn't in the garden saying, Eve, come worship me. Hey, Eve, come look at me. No, he says, Eve, look at yourself. And whatever you do, let's get away from that God over there who wants you to come under his leadership and that God who's telling you what to do and him deciding what's right for you. He has no right to tell you what's right for you. Eve, you do you. Don't let anyone tell you what's right for you. And thousands of years later, here we are again. Everybody standing around, taking pictures of themselves, sharing their thoughts, because we have the knowledge, and we're most important, and our needs are most important. And yet, as followers of Christ, we have to get to a point to where we say, no, 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 no. This is different. I don't want to look at myself in the mirror anymore. I don't want to look at myself. I want to look at God. You see, the thief came to steal life from you. And he's been using the exact same tactic since day one in the Garden of Eden. He simply hands us a mirror and he says, hey, look at yourself. Tell yourself you're beautiful. Tell yourself that you have wisdom and you know what's best. Just, just look in this mirror and say, wow, you, you know, you've got some pretty profound thoughts. You should probably tweet those out for the world to see. Right? Some of us should stop doing that. <laughs> but that's how Satan destroys us. Right? He gets us thinking about ourselves. And what does Jesus say in his word? He says, stop looking and thinking about only yourself. Come to me, Jesus says. Aren't you tired? Aren't you heavy laden? Come stare at me for a while. You see, the message of Christ wasn't, hey, Eve, hey, all of us, you do you. The message of Christ was deny yourself. Stop thinking about only yourself. Do you not see how many problems you have in your life because that's, that's your mentality to only think of yourself? No, what does Jesus say? He says, come stare at me. Come pick up your cross daily and follow me. And if you're going to try to save your life and show everyone else how great your life is, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life, if you let go of yourself, if you stop thinking only about yourself and you come follow after me and you deny yourself, that's how you're going to find life. As I look around this room and I see all of your beautiful faces, some of you more beautiful than others. My wife. <laughs> I, 
I can't help but think. There are many of you in the room. I don't know anything about you. I don't know your story. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what kind of pain you've been facing. We know so little about each other. And some of you have gone through some serious pain and some serious hurt. And the last thing that I want you to do is to come in here and think that I'm somehow trying to diminish that. I'm not standing up here saying that, that there aren't times in life where we throw out the truths about ourselves to other people and we share what's going on in our life with other people. Some of you in the room do that with me. There are some of you in this room that I do that with. And I could not and, and won't be able to get through some of the most difficult seasons in life without those kind of people in my life. It's one of the main reasons why the church exists for community, for us to walk through life together. But there has to come a point. There has to come a point where we stop looking inward for the solutions. Like, I just want us to get to a point to where we can just stare at God, this holy, holy, holy God that says, I want to come into your life. Like, I want to enter you. I want to come in and push that button that takes you off of selfie mode and turns the camera around to focus on other people. Listen, I know how easy it is to come into a church service like this I've done it my entire life. I know how easy it is to just go to church once a week and be fed by a pastor and then leave feeling a little bit better because you got fed for, you know, 60 minutes. But we have to get to a point where we realize that this is not what God wants for us. This is not enough. God wants to bring us to a point in our lives to where we know him where we long to spend time with him. Do you long to be alone with God? Like we say that this is the most important thing in our life, but do we long to be alone with the creator of the universe? There is something so strange to me when Christians, people who call themselves Christians, followers of Christ, they don't long to be alone with God. I mean, honestly, when is the last time that you were just longing for God? Longing to spend five minutes, an hour alone with the creator of the universe. Not because you were depressed. Not because you just got fired from your job. Not because all you have all these problems going on in life. But because you were just so madly in love with the creator of the universe. That it was the first thing that you thought about when your eyes opened in the morning. Some, you know, I meet so many people... I mean, so many people who call themselves followers of Christ and they don't even long to be alone with God. Right? Like some will be honest and say, man, I don't even really remember the last time I opened up the word of God and spent even three minutes alone with God. Some of you in the room will go a whole week and then I'll hear you say things like, man, I can't wait until next Sunday morning when I get to come back into the presence of God and I get to have somebody feed me where I come to church and be fed again and I come into the presence of God again. There's a story in Exodus chapter 19, and we don't have time to read it. 
Uh, I'd encourage you to read it this week, but the band's going to come up as we close. We're almost done. I almost hit my 12-hour mark, just short of it. But there's a story in Exodus chapter 19. Some of you may be familiar with it, but God, he calls Moses up the mountain, right? And, And Moses and all of his people come and they gather at the base of the mountain and God calls Moses up the mountain to speak with him. And all the people that came with Moses are gathered at the base of the mountain and they're just watching Moses climb up the mountain to go talk to God. And then when he gets up there and God begins to speak to Moses, all the people at the base of the mountain, they just see fire and thunder and lightning coming down from heaven as Moses is up there. And I can only imagine, I can only imagine this scene, right? Like I can only imagine being one of these people standing at the base of the mountain looking up and I'm seeing fire and thunder and lightning coming down and just thinking to myself, man, I cannot wait for Moses to come back down the mountain to share what he experienced with God. Like, I cannot wait for Moses to come down and tell me all about what God said to him and what he's doing and and hearing God speak to him. And my fear is that many pastors all over the world this weekend are doing that very same thing. And I got to be just honest with you and tell you, as a pastor, we really don't mind. Like, we like going into the presence of God. Like, we like going up the mountain. But what I've realized, what I've realized is that God has not called myself or any other pastor to be anyone's Moses. Right? Because we live in the New Testament now. And there is something so amazing that happened when Jesus came and died on the cross for us and the veil was torn, the veil to the Holy Holy of Torns was torn, meaning not only the high priest got to go into the presence of God once a year, not just Moses got to climb to the top of the mountain to experience God and to go into the presence of God. Understand that Jesus came and died on the cross so that every single one of us sitting in this room, every single one of us that follows after Christ would have that, would have that same ability Like you and I, like you and I are called to go up the mountain. Like you and I are called to go and experience God. So the worst thing that I or any other pastor could ever do for you is to be your Moses. Like you're supposed to go into his presence. You can enter his presence. You can climb up the mountain. You can go into his presence. And until we start doing that, until we take our eyes off of ourselves and start gazing at him, we are never going to be fulfilled. And we will continue to just take and take from everyone else around us. But when you've been on that mountaintop and you've been in the presence of God, your cup begins to overflow and you take yourselves off of selfie mode and you just start to think, man, I really don't need anything else. In fact, I am so fulfilled in my relationship with God that I cannot wait. I cannot wait to get to a gathering like this because I know that my cup is so full that it's just going to start spilling out onto everyone else around me. 
That's my prayer for us. That's my prayer for us this weekend as we close this series. That we would take ourselves off of selfie mode and start staring at somebody more beautiful than us. Can we pray? God, thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you so much for the fact that not just Moses gets to climb the mountain anymore. God, that we get to come into your presence. And it's, it starts the second we take ourselves off of selfie mode. God, I pray that we would just stare at you this morning. That we would stare at other people. And that we would take our eyes off of ourselves. We love you, Jesus. Amen.